to First Assembly, Brian and Jennifer Hartley. So glad to have them. We miss them greatly since they moved back to Georgia. I don't know why anybody want to live in Georgia, but I, you know. <laughs> but it's a good place. I lived there several years myself. And uh, but we're happy to have them back. We've always loved them, and we still do. Thank God for the miracle in their family. And they're going to tell you about that tonight, I believe. Brian, come on up. And we're going to give the service to him. And share with us tonight from your heart. Brother. Jennifer and I are just so happy that we could be back here tonight and so grateful for this opportunity to share with our first assembly family. And we just want to thank y'all so much from the bottom of our heart for your generous love and your offering and your prayers in our time of need. It was a, a blessing to us from our family here. We thank y'all. Tonight, though, I want to share some insight from God's Word, and I will build upon that a little bit before I get to Cameron's story and the story of his wreck. And through what I build on, you will see what we stood on through that tragic event. Our scripture reading for tonight is in the chapter, in the book of Luke chapter 17, so if you'd like to turn with me to Luke chapter 17, verses 5 through 10. Luke chapter 17, verses 5 through 10. There, say amen. If you need a minute, say, oh me. Luke chapter 17, verse 5 through 10. The apostles said, to the Lord. Increase our faith. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, the Lord said, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Which one of you, having a slave plow and tendering sheep, will say to him when he comes in from the field, come at once and sit down and eat? Instead, will you not tell him, Prepare something for me to eat. Get ready and serve me while I eat and drink. Later you can eat and drink. Does he thank the slave that he did what he was commanded? In the same way, when you have done all that you were commanded, you should say, We are good-for-nothing slaves. We've only done our duty. You see, Jesus was saying, you already have all the faith that you need. You just need to understand how to use it. See, the parable, he was saying that we were being referred to as the slaves. And God is being referred to as the master. And we should not expect a reward for the work that we do for Jesus. We are under the authority of the Lord. 
And he has given us authority under him. We have a responsibility under Jesus, our Lord, and we have been fully equipped for the task that he has assigned us to. We have been given authority and we've been given power through the Holy Spirit. And that same faith that Jesus possessed in this world, we possess in us. But that didn't really answer the question, did it? Because the disciples, they wanted to know, hey, 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 how do we get some more faith? We need some more faith. Do you think that answer puzzled them a little bit? They probably thought, well, wait, wait, what? That didn't make sense. How do I get more faith from what you just said? But see, they were missing the point. What Jesus was really saying is, if you want to see an increase in your faith, then you must live under the authority, under the heavenly authority. And then you have to, not only that, you have to use the authority I've given you. And you have to use that authority for what I've assigned to you. Let me explain it this way. Shad Khan, he's the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. If he's the owner, then he's the ultimate authority for the Jaguars. But you won't see Shad Khan on the sidelines during a ball game telling the offensive coach what play to run. Because he's given him that authority. You won't see Shad Khan on the sideline telling a linebacker how to make a tackle. Because he's given that linebacker authority to make tackles. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell him. You've been assigned authority. You've got to learn how to use the authority you've been assigned. And once you learn how to use the authority that you've been assigned, you'll have more faith. Because the faith is already there. It's not a question of how do you have more faith. That's not even a real question because you already have all the faith that you'll ever need. The question is, how do you get it out of you? How do you use that faith? How do you manifest that faith in this world? Now, authority is obviously important to God. In Matthew chapter 8, a centurion, a Roman army commander, comes up to Jesus and he's asking Jesus to help heal his servant who is sick and at home. But when he comes up to Jesus, he says, I'm also a man of authority like you, Jesus. Therefore, I understand authority. I can tell a man to come and he'll come. I can tell a man to go and he'll go. Therefore, I understand authority. I'm a man of authority and I work under authority also. I understand how it works. You are a man of authority. You have authority just to say the word. You don't have to come to my house. Jesus, if you just say the word, my servant can be healed. Jesus looked at this man and says, No greater faith have I ever seen. Now, he's been hanging out with the disciples. that He's been teaching this stuff, and they don't even get it because they're asking him, Hey, how do I have more faith? But yet he tells this centurion, Roman commander, he tells him, you've got the greatest faith I've ever seen before. Because he understands. He understands how to get faith. He understands authority. 
See, the most important part of understanding authority is denying our selfish nature and our selfish actions and yielding to the authority that's given to us. I want to stop there, man. Because it's not only about his authority and then us. You see, this man over here, Pastor Rester, is a man of authority in this church. And he is under the authority of God the Father. He is the authority figure of this church. He has been given certain responsibilities in that authority under God. Therefore, we must respect that authority. We must abide under his authority. Parents have a role of authority over their children. They have a role of authority over their children through Jesus Christ, their authority. And they've been given authority to direct their children and to lead their path and to lead their path to God. So children are under authority to obey the authority given them. You see, we must first, though, seek God and His kingdom, and He will provide all of our personal needs. See, that's authority. We want to get that backwards. We want to get that twisted. We want to get self in the way because we want to give what we want. Anybody ever want to give what they want? We want to give what we want. And a lot of times, we want it now. We don't want to wait for it. But we have to work through authority. And you see, if if we really got it, if we really understood it, what he's saying when he says, seek my kingdom first, and then I'll give you everything that you need, that should be enough just to say, huh, that makes sense. I'll just do that. But no, we want to complicate things, and we want to make it about us. So we have to understand authority. And I know you're thinking, well, I thought he came to talk about a wreck. But we've got to learn authority. We've got to understand authority before we'll be able to get through anything. So let's look at the law of authority. Now that we've touched on authority and we understand that authority has been given, I'm going to describe the law of authority because just like other laws that are established, it's like the law of gravity. Gravity does not care if you believe in it or not, does it? It doesn't care if you acknowledge it or not. It's going to work. The law of authority is the same way. We've been getting, we've been given certain authorities, and those authorities don't really care if we know they're there or not. They're going to work. The authority is going to work. The principle is going to work. It's a law. So, for us to understand authority, let's start at the beginning, right? We should start at the beginning. Let's start at Genesis. So if we go to Genesis, and you don't have to turn there because I'm just going to read a quick verse. But if we look at Genesis chapter 1, pretty well the beginning, verse 26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them, that includes all people, not the powerful, not just the rich, not just the most educated, it says, let them. That's everybody. And let them have dominion. Dominion means authority. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. 
That's why animals are scared of us. Because we have authority over them. But see, there's a problem there. It's just like my wife and many others aren't aware, or they choose not to accept the command of authority. Because you can take a mouse right now, and if that mouse runs in here, my wife sees that mouse... Even though the mouse is scared of all us, it's trying to get out of here. My wife is going to be scared of the mouse. She's going to go, ah! Right, baby? Amen. It's just misunderstanding of authority, though, right? We have authority over them. But see, here's the thing. If animals only knew, if animals only knew, we'd be in trouble. Because you know what would happen? That mouse would come in here and go, And half the crowd would leave out of here because of a mouse saying boo. See, that's Georgia for boo. Boo. <laughs> but it's just an understanding of authority. And I know that sounds funny and all, but now let's get down to the real problem because there's a problem, and here's the problem. The devil understands authority. The devil understands that we as humans and as Christians He understands the authority that we've been given better than most Christians do. And once we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we have power over the devil. Yet if we don't use that power, the devil will be glad to use it against us. 1 Peter 5, verse 8 says, The devil is like a roaring lion. It doesn't say that he has the power of the lion. It says he is like a roaring lion. He sounds like a lion. He comes across as powerful like a lion. And he does come to kill, steal, and destroy. If. If we allow him to. If we allow him to. Because we have authority. But yet we run around acting as if we don't even know what that is. And we let the devil steal our own authority, use our own authority against us to hurt us and to hurt others around us. Because you see, the devil uses the authority that was made to protect us from harm. He uses our thoughts. He uses our words. Those are our authority. Those are our authority given to every human being. Proverbs chapter 23 verse 7. It says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We have a powerful authority in this world based on our thoughts, which become our beliefs. The devil loves to deceive and manipulate our thoughts. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4. The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. The tongue has the powerful the power of life and death. The tongue has the power of life and death. And these who love it will eat its fruit. The power and authority given to us 
through our thoughts. And what we say belongs to everyone. And the devil loves that we don't fully understand or fully use the power that we've been given. The misuse of authority by people gives the devil an open door and it gives him the tools that he needs for deception and destruction in people's lives. Because without that, he is nothing. Without that, he can do nothing. We give him access to all power. Through the authority and power given to us through Jesus Christ, we give him access. Even our feelings are under authority. Yet we so often allow others to control how we feel. Instead of taking authority for our own feelings. Now that we understand that, let's move on to the fact that God and the devil both use the power and authority of people that people have to accomplish things in this world. Both of them, God and the devil, use our authority that we've been given. We've been given the authority from God. He created it. He gave it to us. But both of them, the devil and God, use that authority for us or against us. The devil loves when you leave that authority available for him. Has the devil ever used a person to hurt you by their actions or simply something they said? Yeah. Has God ever blessed you or answered a prayer through the actions or the words of some other person? Yeah. That authority is laying there and they use it to work through people. They both operate in this world through people and through the authority given to people by God. So as I tell this story about Cameron's wreck, I'm going to share insight on our walk, our walk in authority, the good and the bad, and how through it all, a greater faith was manifested in our life. Now, of course, it's easier to see these acts of authority and these disobedience to God in hindsight as we reflect and look back on the recent tragic event. And as we look back, we can see how the devil attempted to alter our God-given authority and how God blessed us every step of the way as we walked with him and as we implemented the authority of the Holy Spirit within us. See, this story, it actually started two days before the wreck. You see, two days before the wreck, Jennifer had a feeling. She had just something, something stirring inside of her. Something. The Holy Spirit. Stirring inside of her. He gets called something every once in a while, you know? Stirring inside of her, telling her, giving her the feeling something bad was going to happen to Cameron. And I'm, I'm praise the Lord that she used the authority that she'd been given. You see, prayer is an authority that we're given. Because we can go to God our Father 
who is the chief boss, and we can pray to him, and our prayers will be heard, and our prayers will be answered. And you see, Jennifer was obedient to that. She was obedient to the call, and she prayed out for two days for Cameron. She didn't know what was going to happen. She didn't have any idea. But she knew what that feeling was, and she knew that the only thing she could do was take authority and pray. So that was the first act of authority taken in this ordeal. She prayed, Lord Jesus, that we get protection. You know, the scary thing is, I don't really know what the outcome of that wreck would have been if it was not for the interceding prayer of my wife. I don't know. Because I know what the devil was trying to do. You see, here's what's funny. We had a GPS on this vehicle. And our daughter, Macy, really was struggling. Because Cameron was on the way to Macy's house to put together a piece of furniture for her on a Saturday. And so Macy was really hard on herself, blaming herself for this wreck. And you know, we had prayed with Macy about it, but it was just eating inside of her and and our pastor at home talked with Macy. And one of the things that she said to Macy was, you know, he might, because he had to go back home and get something. And I looked on the GPS and that puzzled me why he, his travel, he went out that road that he had a wreck on, turned around and came back home, and then went back. And pastor told Macy, when he was counseling with her, he said, you never know. He might have been scheduled to run into an 18-wheeler or a log truck. And God turned him around. That turning around may have been the answer to our prayers. Very well could have been. Those are things we won't know until we see Jesus when we get in heaven. When we sit down and have those conversations. But I know she was obedient and went to God in prayer. Saturday, March 11th, around 1.30, I was just finishing cleaning out our storage building. And praise God, I was just finishing because if not, I had stuff straight out everywhere. And I had two things to put back in. And I got a phone call, and I look, and I see on my phone that it was Cameron calling. And my first thought was, I'm not going to answer it. Because he had just called 20 minutes earlier, and he was wanting to talk to me about buying a four-wheeler. And so I'm thinking, Cameron, it's been 20 minutes, son. So I was not going to answer it, but again, something told me to answer the phone. Funny how God gets called something. He is something, though. That is the truth. When I answered the call, the guy asked me who I was and thinking, Who are you? You've got my son's phone. He says, this is deputy from the Pierce County Sheriff Department. Your son Cameron has been in a wreck. And once I found my heart and picked it back up, I tried to listen to the details. Well, in the details, he informed me that they were either going to take him to the Waycross Hospital or they were going to end up flying him to Savannah. That he wasn't sure yet. They're still trying to get him out of the vehicle. 
because he is in critical condition. Well, I took that critical condition that he told me, and I prayed about it, and I said, uh, God, he's not in critical condition. He's in your condition, and I just trust you. And I said a quick prayer, and I, I called Jennifer, who was with Macy. They were in town. They were shopping. And I called her, and I, as calm as I could be, told her what was going on, what had happened. I said, uh, she said, is he okay? I said, he's going to be fine. And I said, that was complete confidence. Again, you can see things. I was speaking in authority. I was using the authority given me. I, I wasn't just trying to be over the top and be all positive. I'm going to speak it into existence. No, I was trusting God. And I just felt, I, I felt confident when I told her, it's going to be okay. But this is what I need you to do. I need you to go to the hospital there in Waycross. And I need you all to wait on me there. So I started to the scene of the accident. Since I had the GPS, I knew exactly where they were. I prayed as I went. Got about a mile away from where the wreck was. And I just stopped praying. And I, I just said, God, I trust you. And I just kept saying over and over, I trust you, God. No matter what, I trust you. I get there and I get out of my truck and I run down to where Cameron is at. And I see this mangled mess of a vehicle just piled in on top of him. And there's probably eight to ten people trying to get him out of this vehicle. He was in this vehicle for over an hour before they got him out. But when I got to that vehicle, I had the most calming spirit on me. I had the most comfort I've ever felt in my life. The most peace. I saw all this hustle and bustle, but I felt none of it. I knew he was going to be okay. I talked to Cameron, and he, he recognized who I was. And uh, He asked the person that was helping him right there, if he heard my voice talking to the deputy, and he says, I'm a dad. And I said, yes, son, I'm right here. I'm right here with you. And I talked to him, and he talked to me. And then later he said, I don't even remember talking to you again. Great. But he was talking, and at least I guess it gave me comfort anyway. God knew what I needed, right? And he knew what I needed to be able to tell my wife when I talked to her. Because the last thing I told him was, Son, I love you, and your mama loves you. He said, I love you, and tell her I love her too. At that time, they told me that a helicopter was on its way to pick Cameron up, and they were going to life flight him to Jacksonville, to UF Health, Shands. Here again, this is another blessing from God. Because if they had flown him to Savannah, that would have been a little over two hours away from our house and a lot further from Fleming Island. And by bringing him to Jacksonville, our Fleming Island friends and family were able to come see us, as well as friends and family from Georgia. And so we call that a God's mile. So we are so thankful of that. So we get... We get to the hospital, and we finally get to see Cameron, and the first thing Cameron asks us, or the first thing he tells us is, I should be dead. The next thing he says is, am I ever going to walk again? Am I, am I paralyzed? Now, we have not talked to a doctor yet. We have no clue what kind of condition he's in other than what we feel in our spirit and what we felt in our prayers. 
We've quickly told him, no, son, you will walk. You're going to be fine. Again, we're walking in authority. We didn't even know it. But let me back up a minute and tell you about the car ride. Because you see, in the car ride, it wasn't easy. Because in the car ride, we had thoughts. We had some good thoughts, some positive thoughts that we were creating through our authority. But we also had some negative thoughts that were trying to creep in and and corrupt our thinking. We had some positive words that were coming out of our mouth. But we also had some negative words through fear, uncertainty. And we had to keep pulling each other back to trust God. Because it finally, we got to a point where we said, look, we we got to give it to God and trust Him. And once we do that, it's on Him. It's not on us. There's nothing we can do. We can praise God and we can trust Him. And we're going to praise Him no matter what. And we're going to trust Him no matter what. But that took using our authority. Because that was an avenue the devil wanted to use. He wanted that car ride to go a lot different. He wanted that car ride to be a lot tougher on us than what it was. But we used the authority that was given to us. And we spoke positive. And we spoke and we thought positive. And we referred back to God's Word to get us through. We had to fight worry. We had to fight fear. We had to fight weariness. We had to fight sleep as we waited in in the hospital on those days. We had to rely on words like Isaiah 40, chapter chapter 40, verse 29. He gives strength to the weary and strengthens the powerless. We had to lean on those words. We both had our moments when the devil would try to get in our thoughts and he would try to also had a great support system. We had so many of y'all praying for us and visitors coming. And we thank y'all for that. We know that prayers made so much of a difference. We constantly referred to a painted canvas that Nisi brought us and that she gave to Cameron that said, remember God's in control. He said, be still and know that I am God. Thank you for that. We leaned on that. And it's in Cameron's room now. Jennifer even received more healing while we were in the hospital. She had recently, through our church, at a church function one night, received healing from her arthritis and healing from fibromyalgia. But she still had a little bit in her feet and a little bit in her knees, and that really kept her from doing a lot of things. And as she was sitting in the waiting room, just getting a break one day, she was praying out to God and and saying, God, I need help getting through this. How am I going to care for Cameron like he needs? How am I going to be able to be there for him with the pain that I have? And there in that hospital, 
she received that additional healing from God. She's still healed right now through God our Father. Amen. We know that it was the prayers that blessed Cameron and blessed him to a fast recovery. He was in the hospital for about a month. And then from the hospital, he was sent to Brooks Rehab Hospital. And when he got to Brooks Rehab Hospital, they said, well, he'll be here at least two weeks, minimum, but probably more like a month. And that's what the hospital had told us, too. But Cameron said real quick, oh, I'm not either. And he was determined. And he was using that authority that he didn't even know he had. We left Brooks Rehab Hospital in a week. His physical therapist there at the hospital said, I've seen many patients come in here your age with the same type of conditions and ailments that you have. He had a broken femur. He had a broken pelvis in a couple of places. He had a couple of breaks in his foot. He's got rods, pins, screws, bolts. He's a hardware store. But the lady told him, said, I've, never, I've seen these type conditions in this age, but I've never seen anybody get out of here in the length of time that you're getting out of here. And you know what we did? We said, you want to know why? Because we can tell you. And we did. Because that's why God our Father, through prayer, God our Father. But we can look back now and say, you know what? He might have been in there a month if we didn't act on authority. If we'd have listened to what doctors say, if we would have accepted their authority instead of God's authority. See, we've got to be careful what authority we accept in our heart. I'll take God's authority and His rule over anything. His Word. I will take above any of yours. Because He is my ultimate authority. And it's because of acting in authority through His authority and using the authority given to us and to Cameron that He was able to accomplish what He accomplished. On the way home, Cameron posted a testimony, and I've got a copy of the testimony up here. If a couple of the youth would like to get some of these and pass these out, there's a copy of, of Cameron's testimony right here in the folder. But Cameron wrote a testimony on Facebook as we were traveling home. We didn't even know he was doing it. He just quietly sitting there. We drove home. His testimony on his page reached over 930 people. There was 424 shares of his testimony, 231 comments about his testimony. And as I was thinking about it, I know the way that works. You know, somebody shares it, then somebody else to share it off of that page, and somebody else to share it. So I estimated that at least half a million people probably saw his testimony online. 
know, later, after we got home, a lady came up and, and was telling us about being at the wreck. She was the first one to get to the wreck that was not involved. And when she ran up to the vehicle that Cameron was in, she said she found him praying. When she came to Cameron, he was praying. And as a father, and, and Jennifer as his mother, there's no better feeling to know that our son understands authority. Understands the authority that he is given to pray to the Heavenly Father and that he will be heard. When he has a need, he can go to him. And in his biggest need that he has had in his life so far, he was praying. That just makes my heart smile to know that he uses the authority that's been given to him. You see, as the devil attempted to derail and destroy our family and our ministry, God used that valley to strengthen our walk with him and to better understand the authority that we were given to overcome this world. The key to authority, power, understanding, and truth is a relationship with God our Father. He desires to walk with us, to talk with us. He loves us. He desires for us to love Him back. You see, love can't be completed unless it's given back. It has to go both ways. It must be given and it must be received in order to be complete. And it's through that relationship that we have authority. It's through that relationship that we learn how to understand that authority because if we don't have that relationship, we will never know how to use that authority. We may not even know it exists. We may run for mice because we think they have authority over us. But we have authority. We have power within us. John 14 says things, John 14, 12 says, I have the same ability that Jesus I can do the same things Jesus did. He even says, I can do greater things than Jesus. And I said, what? I'm still trying to figure that one out. But if it says it, by gosh, I can do it. I just got to figure it out. I got to figure out how to use that authority, because that's authority. That's real authority. That's powerful authority. That's the authority that pastor was talking about that's healing people at this altar. That's authority. That's where we need to use our authority is to heal people, to lead people to Christ, to show them the way, to show them the way to the authority itself, to show them the way to the relationship that gives all authority. We have a responsibility to use the authority. We have a responsibility to walk with Him, to talk with Him. We have a responsibility to lead others to know Him. That's our job. We might get paid from other ways. We might have incomes coming from different jobs, signed checks coming from different people. But God's who we work for. And we work for Him from the time we get up to the time we lay down and go to bed. And we've got to give Him all credit. Because as he said when he was explaining to the disciples of how to get that faith, that you've got to operate under the master. And you can't operate under the master thinking, hey, what am I going to get for it? Because it don't work that way. You've got to operate under the authority of the master 
because he's the master. And I love him. And I want to please him. That's why I'm in authority under him. Because I got a choice. I got a choice. But here's the problem. If you really look at the choice, and if, if you know what you know now about authority, who wants to walk in the authority that can be destroyed by the devil? Because you've still got authority on you. You're walking out of this building with authority. You have it. It's in you. Can you use it or not? Because I'm going to God the Father, because He's the one that can show me how to use it. He's the one that has the keys to the castle. He's the one that can open up all mysteries through His revelation. But it only comes through a relationship. It comes from knowing Him. It comes from trusting Him. It comes from following Him. So as I close tonight, I challenge you to never walk without the authority that you've been given. Get to know Him. Go to your Master. Go to your Lord and know Him. Get your assignment from Him. Because He's not coming down here to do your job for you, just like Shai Khan's not going to the sideline. There's certain things about your authority God's not going to come down here and do for you. He's given you authority. He expects you to do it. Time to take control of the authority. Tonight as we close, we're going to open this altar. There's a couple things here. This is the Wednesday night crowd, so there may not be many in here that are unsaved that don't know about this authority stuff. But if you don't, if by chance you don't know about this authority and you need clarification on this relationship, you want the relationship with Christ to build that authority, I want you to come tonight. If you're just ready to take more control of your authority, if you're wanting to have new revelation from God on unlocking the secrets in your life to use your authority more powerful, come to the altar tonight. If you have a special need through authority, come to the altar. This altar is open. It's open now. So if you would like to come, I invite you to come to the altar tonight. Walk in the power of God through authority. Take the God-given authority that you've been granted. He didn't have to do it. He wanted to do it. He wanted to do it because He loves you. He loves you. He wants you to know your authority. He wants you to walk in the power of your authority. If you choose to walk in that authority, come to this altar and walk in power with Him. This tragic event that Cameron went through has blessed our family. We we wouldn't want to go through it again, but the lessons learned, the faith built, is worth it. Because the growth will go on. Our authority will continue.
continue to grow. As long as we continue to seek God in that relationship with God and to seek His power in you for His glory.